0: Hi, Kayla. Hi, Megan. (laughs) Welcome back to the East Coast. (laughs) Oh my goodness, thank you. I know this is so funny because I'm literally, usually when I record the podcast, it's like still daytime outside. I'm, you know, in the middle of my work day and now I'm sitting down to record the podcast at 7 p.m. and I'm like, whoa, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I ate dinner before we recorded this. (laughs) Like... It's the time change is one of those things that you think you're going to get used to. And then every time it's just like pff, blindsided. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully that jet lag goes away eventually.
0: <laughs> I, I, th- I think it will. I'm excited to be back. I'm happy to to be yeah. on the same coast as you, Miss Megan. Yeah. I'm going to see you in person. We have
1: plans. We have plans to hang out. am ah! very excited. Very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I'm excited for today's episode. It's going to, it's more of my family and more of the family dynamic stuff that we love talking about on this podcast. Mm.
1: So yeah, let's get into it. Yay! Hi, I'm Kayla Mason. And I'm
0: Megan Smith. And this is Human Human Design in Real Time. Time. I'm the founder and CEO of Kayla Care. And as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living.
1: Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives
1: and the lives of those around them. To download a PDF of your own human design chart, all you need is your exact birth time and you can go to Kayla-Care.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today, we welcome back Kayla's mom, Laura Mason, and her older sister, Jen, to talk about the relationship between a projector mother and a manifestor daughter and the experiences they shared of raising kids together. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. We're so happy to have you back here. Hi. Hi. Hi.
2: Yeah. Mm,
3: thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. It's so good to have you guys back. I know that we wanted to talk about um, how you guys both raised your daughters at the same time. Um, Kayla, can you sort of give us a little bit more about the family dynamic there?
0: Oh, totally. So just so the the audience knows the backstory here, um, my mother had Jen when she was very young and raised her just Jen. And then I was born about 20 years later. So I think it was 19. We decided on the episode on the yeah. episode that you were on Jen 19. Yeah. nineteen um, years. <laughs> yeah. So I was essentially grew up in a different household. I'm the oldest of three more girls. Um, so my mother has four daughters total, but her relationship with Jen has always been a uh, very different than her relationship with the three of us. Um, Jen was always kind of like an aunt to us, you know? Um, So we thought it would be really interesting to have this discussion, especially because my mother and Jen were actually pregnant at the same time with my youngest sister, Sabrina, who is our producer, and Brittany, who has come on the podcast to talk with us numerous times. And we're excited to just kind of look at all of these different stages of life that these two beautiful matriarchs in my family have (laughs) experienced. Um, Because not only are these two women who literally got to be mother and daughter, and got to raise children at the same time, and now have a beautiful friendship, but they both have six lines in their profiles. So I'm gonna give you a quick rundown of their human designs just so everyone knows what we're getting into. Jen is a splenic manifester and she is totally undefined except for her throat, spleen, and root. And then Laura, my mother, is a projector and she is defined in the mind and the head and then is defined self center, will center, emotions. And root. And my mother is a triple split, um, whereas Jen is single definition. So Jen is a four six, and my mother is a six three. So both of them have that six line in their profile. And the six line is essentially it breaks down into a whole lifelong trajectory. So the profile lines in human design are kind of like the destiny portion of the human design chart. These are the things that the way that you interact with society. So the way that others are going to see you, the things others are going to come to you for, and the way that you are going to affect The society at large. So the six lines are called the role models, meaning that they are going to be a shining example of what we all could be. But the six line does not get to that point until the mid like their 50s. So we're talking like early to mid 50s is when that begins to become the next phase. The first two phases of being a six line, the first one is the first 30 years before the first Saturn return is all trial and error. So lots and lots of making quote unquote mistakes and learning from them. In a lot of ways, the six lines function kind of like a three line, which is another one of the profile lines. And that's the other line that my mother has in her chart. So she has lots of trial and error (laughs) for her whole life, (laughs) Um, but especially those first 30 years. Um, And so then moving into the next like 20, 25 years, this period of time is all about observation. It's kind of about like taking all of the stuff that you figured out in those first 30 years and marrying it with the stuff that you are now observing in the world. So that then when you hit that third space, you're stepping into the role model space. You're stepping into the understanding that now you've experienced all of the things you need to, you've seen all the things that you need to, and you can now lead from a place of truly understanding. Um And so it's interesting because most of the time, even if two people are six lines, they don't get to share this with their children because usually you have your children at or around like 30, early 30s. But because my mother was so young when she had Jen, they actually experienced that first section of life together and moved through these in similar path. So, yeah. So from there... I know we have a lovely array of questions we would like to ask you. I just kind of wanted to give everyone an overview of what we're diving into.
1: So I want to start with what was the relationship like when Jen was a kid? You know, how was it raising this manifestor child as a projector? What was your uh, relationship like when Jen was much younger?
2: Well, I really had no clue what I was doing. I didn't really know anything about bringing up kids. The only experience I had with kids was this bratty little kid I babysat for, and it was a boy. (laughs) (laughs) So when I had a girl, I just figured she was going to be my friend. And so I basically just treated her like a friend and I didn't realize until she turned into a teenager that that was a mistake. <laughs> but I was a teenager myself, so I really didn't know what you'd do to bring up kids. And my parents were very different than I was. So I wasn't, like, keen on following their role model as to how to bring up kids, so I just thought, you know, she was my little buddy. I was going to take <laughs> everywhere and do everything with, and it worked great till she was twelve. <laughs> 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 yeah. And and then she decided that I wasn't going to be her friend anymore because she had her own friends that she liked better. <laughs> so it, it's a. Uh, it's a strange dynamic but I see what you're saying about how like yeah it took me the first third of my life well I'm not going to say third because that'll only make 90 so yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly first 35% yeah. of my life, yeah. you get a book after um, 90 <laughs> yeah I spent learning <laughs> mm. because then I brought up these other three kids a lot differently, like with all the stuff I learned. So unfortunately, like Jen says, she was my guinea pig. Um, <laughs> but I think she learned from that too, from the way she, you know, brought up Brittany. She saw the downfalls of the, you know, your mother being your father friend when you're growing up like now it's fine now we're good friends but at that point she needed more direction I think looking back but Mm -hmm. at the time she was real easygoing little kid really cute and learned really quickly and just went along with whatever was going on and you know with yeah, a nice little companion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's yeah. so it's always so interesting to
0: me to get to hear that specifically because one of the other things that I work with in my business is uh, yoga Nidra. and so we talk a lot about brainwave states because you're changing the subconscious mind with yoga Nidra. It's a meditation technique. Um, but what happens at age 12, it's literally at age 12, is that your brain chemistry begins to shift and your brainwave dominance is no longer in the theta state, which is uh, much more suggestible. So you're in delta when you're like a little baby, and then between like 2 and 8, you're in theta, which is a little more suggestible. And then between 8 and 12, you're in alpha, which is kind of like the... State between waking and sleeping, and then when you hit twelve, you enter into beta, which is the brainwave state that all adults are in. Most of most adults, obviously, we're not discussing people whose brainwaves are uh, atypical, um, but most adults are in the beta brainwave state for most of the time. So once you enter that state, it changes. The big thing that changes is that suddenly you can say no. Suddenly, it's not just that the world around you, because before that, the world around you told you what was true. Everything that happens around you is the truth because it is currently happening, which is why so much of our conditioning happens as children. Um, But when you hit 12, suddenly something clicks and you are able to look at the world around you and say, wait a second. What if I don't want the world around me to look like this? So... I think that's probably a big thing that happened when when 12 hit. Um, But the other thing I want to highlight is the fact that, Jen, you are a manifester. And manifestors need to be able to initiate and need to be able to do their own thing and be super independent. So I wonder what that experience was like for you as a manifester, kind of growing up and how it felt for you getting to that point of, your brain being like, wait a second, <laughs> no is an
3: option. <laughs> um, wow, well, I don't know. I've never actually never heard my mother describe it that way. Because <laughs> I, I don't think I saw her as my friend. She was my mother. So when I, I mean, as a little kid, that's what I remember. But I just... Yeah, at, it was at 12 years old, This is why when I had girls, I have one boy, but the, I expected that at 12 and didn't get it. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't think either one of them are manifestors. But... I don't
0: believe they are. No, I, I think mm-hmm. you've got a manifesting generator and a generator. Yeah. And then I think yeah. Austin is a projector, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, by that time, I started having my own friends. I had, like, my own circle of people that were listening to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems (laughs) I I knew quite a bit at 12. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it it just had other things to do, and what my mother wanted me to do wasn't on my agenda. And I just... (laughs) I just had other things planned. I don't know what, like, I don't know. I just, I know she planned on me like high school, college, the whole, and I just, I don't think I went to college right after high school because she told me to. <laughs> yeah. I just, I waited a couple years, worked, did my own thing and then went to college. But I eventually figured out that was the thing to do, but I had to wait till I wanted to make that decision. And I did (laughs) and (laughs) several times. (laughs) Um, But I I don't know. I think, yeah, it was different raising my kids than raising me. And I expected me and I got much Mm. less resistance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. One (laughs) of the things that I I really want to
0: highlight and ask you guys about is that the strategy for a manifestor versus a projector is so vastly different. So the strategy for a manifestor, your strategy is literally to initiate. Your strategy is to decide this is a thing that I want to do and I'm going to go initiate it right now. Goodbye, I'm leaving. (laughs) And the strategy for a projector, mama, is to wait to be invited, is to wait for others to say, why don't you come over here and try this out? Do you have an opinion on that? And then you're able to feel truly seen when you're invited in. So Mm. I'm curious what that was like as a mother-daughter, if you, mama, felt like you were being initiated, even though your daughter was your daughter. (laughs) Um, And Jen, if you felt like you were kind of, you know, initiating for your mother kind
2: of thing.
3: Mm. Mom, will
2: let you answer that first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that point, um, I just felt like she was in a different world. I didn't feel like I was being invited into her world. I felt like she was doing everything possible to keep me out of it. <laughs> and, but what about
0: before that know, point, like even when she was younger? Oh, um,
2: then she was um very open to what i had to say and so i liked that i could present something and she would you know look at it and make her own decision like even when she was little she would look at like what i suggested and then determine whether it was something she wanted to do and we kind of would discuss things even when she was little <laughs> <I mean>. wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I never like told her like this was the way it was and she'd do it. She always yeah. wanted to know why. <laughs> yeah, I still do.
3: I drive my husband yeah. crazy with why. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel like that's
0: (laughs) such an aligned way to parent as a projector though, because one of the things that projectors have a habit of falling into, it's two things. One is over caring, taking care of everyone so much that we completely forget to take care of ourselves. Um, And the other side of it is getting, you know, kind of bogged down and feeling a lack of control with the fact that we don't really we can't tell people what to do. You know, we try to tell people what to do and they just, you know, they laugh and run away. And like, so I, I think the way that you're describing, I feel like is a was a very aligned way to function where you were literally just offering suggestions. You were guiding, we are the wise guides. And then having a discussion with your manifestor child who wanted to have an opinion on the subject. Cause not all children want an opinion. <laughs> like they don't always and not all parents are going to offer the option. So, I feel like that's huh. super aligned.
2: She always had an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah.
3: very aligned for you. Yeah, I always like choices. I remember I mean, even with my grandmother having choices and there were certain things I liked and that was it. There was no other option. That was just it. <laughs> and because I had decided that was like, yep. I had a certain plate and a certain cup at my grandmother's house and that was mine. <laughs> and, and I ate yep. <laughs> like almost the same thing every night for a period of time.
2: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean... Nice, chicken with hollandaise sauce so on uh, noodles. noodles. At least <laughs> it <laughs> sounds delicious. Yeah. yeah, and oh, and broccoli. It's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And broccoli. Wow, you well
0: even known. got a vegetable in there.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Kudos, but. <laughs> I think she did a great job as a child doing that with a manifester. I think giving choices and options and all that. I didn't I did some of that with my kids, but other but they didn't yeah. some of them don't need it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I know some kids like to be told like how things should be. Mm-hmm. They like to um you know have structure put it that way. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you didn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) no no (laughs) structure yeah
0: and Jen can you talk a little bit about what it was like for you after that that age 12 point what it was like for you kind of coming into your own as a manifester kind of realizing that you wanted to make your own choices you wanted Mm -hmm. to forge your own path
3: I don't know it's kind of crazy with adolescent hormones at the same time i guess <laughs> yeah that
0: that makes sense especially um, with anger as you're not self theme i feel like that's, that's going to be that's the part mm-hmm. my mother
3: got was the anger <laughs> 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 because it was anger at i can't do all this myself because i'm not an adult i i want to drive i want to have a car i yeah. want a job i want everything i want to do it now and that was i just wanted to be an adult and i mm. was 12 so I tried to do adult things as a 12-year-old <laughs> and it—and you get in trouble. It doesn't go well. You know, your education suffers. You end up making up for it later. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just I wanted to skip the rest of growing up. Yeah. But, you know, you need to do that to learn. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: That's such a manifester thing, though. And I know Megan can speak to this. Manifesting generators also deal with the just Mm -hmm. wanting to just go. (laughs) It's like, I don't
1: want to wait. I just, everyone get out of my way. (laughs) I've got things to do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh I, too, wanted to be an adult at, like, 13. I wanted, I had a job. I did several extracurriculars. I wanted a car. And I didn't want to wait for my parents to say, yes, I wanted it before they gave me permission. So, yes, I totally Mm -hmm. get that.
3: Yeah. I collected golf balls in a creek and sold them at the golf course that my mother worked at for money.
2: That is a really good (laughs) idea. (laughs) I think I was 13. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Yeah, the people that I worked for weren't thrilled. (laughs) He was an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. Uh,
1: So what was the relationship like uh, once you got to the point where you were both raising kids together? You both were pregnant at the same time. You both had children around the same time. Um, What was, you know, going from early, earlier years into this middle phase of life, uh, let's say, to what was that like? What was the transition like? How did you guys handle
2: being pregnant together? And did it change your relationship at all? I think that was the point where um, I felt like Jen, you know, would look up to me and ask me things and, you know, felt like I knew something. Like up until that point, (laughs) She knew everything and didn't need to ask me anything, but once she was pregnant, it was different because then she realized, "Oh, this person has experience with this, and she could ask me questions, and I think that started to evolve into um a better relationship where you know more respect and uh back and forth and discussion. Um, you know, and it helped get through that rough period that she had or we had <laughs> before mm-hmm. that. Um, and it, it was interesting because I didn't think I was having any more kids, so I gave her mm-hmm. all my baby stuff, everything, every last stitch. And three months later, <laughs> I was pregnant. I tell that story a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah. we've actually
0: talked about that story on the podcast because we had britney and sabrina talking about their past lives and how they followed each other into the world so for anyone who's listening Uh these are the vessels
2: that those two humans
0: decided to take with them to the next life
2: Wow. (laughs) wow But someone I worked with had just decided she wasn't having any more than four kids and gave <laughs> me all her stuff. So it worked out. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the universe
0: provides.
2: Actually, yeah.
0: that's something that's so funny about your chart, Mama. Uh, we've talked about this before, and I think we may have talked about it the last time you were on the podcast, but my mother has the, uh, the channel of initiation, um, which is, it's the 5125. It connects the will center to the self center. And this channel, even though she is a projector, she has the channel of initiation. So it's almost like the universe initiates things for her. And we talked a lot the last time about how things just kind of happen in your world and it initiates the next section of what you're going to do so i feel like jen was kind of this like grand initiation and continued to be a grand initiation (laughs) you know she got pregnant (laughs) first (laughs) like just all of these things that it's like the universe Uh not only gives you initiations but literally gave you an initiation (laughs) machine for your life (laughs)
2: Uh,
3: well neither one of them were planned though it was the universe
2: doing that (laughs) literally (laughs) yes (laughs) well that's kind of been my whole life i've i actually have never planned anything in my life Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything just happened and then because of what happened I would work with it and go to the next thing but I I really never you know like Marley <laughs> the middle sister <laughs> of the next three mm-hmm. she has to have a checklist and everything is planned and <laughs> the trouble with that is if it doesn't go quite <laughs> right very disappointing so yep. if you don't make any plans and things just happen they might be good they might not be but at least you didn't get disappointed <laughs> exactly I, know. I need i need a plan well i mean i need to know
3: i'm doing these things and they're gonna happen because i'm gonna make them happen <laughs> uh-huh. <Yep. laughs> so yeah i was gonna go to school um get a career and have children and get married and i did all that Several times, <laughs> and, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and now I'm on to the next phase of life. Right. <laughs> you had to get it right.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> three kids, three husbands. Since yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> right. Which I did the same thing. That's interesting. We each got married three times.
3: It's true. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that is interesting. And I think
2: it's for each phase of our life.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the first one was because all my friends were doing it and I need to get married. (laughs) This one looks good. Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh, uh-huh. Then I want to move to Florida.
0: (laughs) Yes, the second one was to move to Florida.
3: Two beautiful children. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And now I'm happy. Right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And the last one's for happiness. All right. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I could never wait for anything to happen. I just have to make it happen. Like I if I'm not happy in a situation, I'll just leave. And I can't live my life for other people. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a manifestor thing to say or yes. just snobby i don't know <laughs> that's a
0: very manifesto thing to say it is not snobby it is a manifesto thing to say it is a hundred percent um and and it is very aligned for you to do that and it's i i kind of i love getting to hear these two totally separate perspectives because this is <laughs> what is so cool about human design is that like end for you it would never work for you to just wait for things to come to you not only would you be so frustrated all the time and probably angry at the fact that you weren't actually doing the things that you wanted to do but you were built to make the things happen that's how you function and it's the exact opposite for mama it's you are here to wait to be initiated so that you can wait until the things come to you so that you can make the best of what comes at you. And you can guide the things that are coming into you and you can help the people who are coming to you. And like, if either of you tried to live the way that the other one lives, you end up not succeeding. So I, I feel like it it makes perfect sense. Everything you guys are saying is exactly... It's exactly on par. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do want to get back to, um, Jen, what was the relationship like when you were pregnant with your first child? Um, how did the relationship with you and your mother change at that point for you? Cause Laura shared her perspective. I wanted to hear your perspective as well.
3: I felt as if I did come back around. It was, I was kind of absent from her life, um, I don't know it was probably yeah from 12 to 27 um I mean I I came around when I had to for you know huh. spend time with family and stuff like that <laughs> um, yeah. I had fun when I did it. It was just like, it was something I had to do. I don't know. And I was just busy going to school and everything else. And when I got pregnant and I started planning a life and started realizing other things were more important, that family is important. Um, because, you know, when you're in your 20s and teens, you're selfish and you don't think about that kind of stuff. And and you start having your own family, and you're like, wow, I already had a family. So maybe I should start including that one in this one, yeah. and it'll be bigger. <laughs> More love to go around. <laughs> <laughs> so- oh, I love that. I mean, I tried with, like, I spent time with Kayla when she was little. I, I think I missed out on Marley a little bit. Um, but I did try. Um, and, and I enjoyed my time with you. Um, <laughs> but it was when I was pregnant that I finally felt like I was, and it, actually it was the day Brittany was born. Wow. Something changed and I became a mom and I became more responsible and I said, that's it. I'm, this is what I'm doing right now. And they, and I kind of—I think throughout the pregnancy, I did call her a lot. I we rekindled a friendship, and things were just different between us. It was more of a friendship than a mother-daughter. Um, but I used her as my mommy <laughs> because I was pregnant and didn't know what I was doing. I still—I ne- <laughs> didn't know what I was doing for that yeah. first child. Um, so, but who does? <laughs> Turned out fine, right? And so did your first one. So there you go. (laughs) True. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that Kayla and I uh, were discussing the other day when looking at your charts is Jen, you bring the gate of friction, and Laura brings the gate of intimacy. Um, which is really interesting, especially at this point in time. And Kayla, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit more about those gates.
0: Oh, totally. So yeah, you guys, this is actually so funny because I said this out loud and Megan just burst out laughing because we're talking about how we're going to talk about you guys being pregnant together. And then I say, oh, look, they make the channel of reproduction. <laughs> <laughs> So literally within your charts, you guys create electromagnetically the channel of reproduction, which Megan and I actually also share that channel. And it's a channel of creating things together. It reproduction, actual physical reproduction is a big part of it, but creating things creatively is also a part of that. So I really loved the concept because both of you are non-sacral beings, You are a manifester and a projector. Neither of you has a defined sacral center. But when you come together, you create that defined sacral center in a couple of ways, but one of them is with this channel of reproduction. So the fact that you guys were pregnant at the same time actually is very aligned within your charts. And the, like Megan was saying, the two, the two uh gates that create that channel are the gate of friction and the gate of intimacy, which is also called the gate of sexuality. But for this purpose, we call it the gate of intimacy. And when those two things come together, so it would be that friction and that kind of like Pushing up against what is what is right, what is wrong, what is important, what is not important from you, Jen, and the the love and devotion, the uh, that kind of intimate connection from you, Mama, and I feel like, spe- like even when we were talking about just like your early life, how Mama wanted to be friends and Jen, you wanted to be your own person bringing that friction into the space so that we can find the balance and really understand what intimacy is important, like what level of intimacy is important for the relationship. And so I feel like it is so poignant that you guys kindled this relationship (laughs) while you were pregnant. Almost as if you had given each other the like the energetic ability because my ma- I mean, Mama, you were how old were you when you got pregnant with Sabrina? Oh, forty, forty five, forty four. Yeah. yeah, like that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I was old. <laughs> I was- <laughs> so, like, it was definitely not like a a, a normal run of the mill pregnancy. So. I just, I found that so interesting.
1: It's kind of a what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, because you two, when you come together, you create the channel of reproduction. Was it you guys came together and then poof, you both got pregnant? Or (laughs) was it um, because you both got pregnant, you kind of came together and were like, okay, let's do this together. Let's rekindle a relationship. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on
3: what Kayla just described. I just think it's cool the way the charts are coming together, and but in that it was just a fluke that both of us got pregnant, and we both weren't even trying, and and then their whole thing with Brittany and Sabrina being reincarnated and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's all um, I don't know. It all comes around full circle. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like that's like I sometimes when you look at all of the pieces and the puzzle pieces and how they fit into place, there's just this like, (laughs) like, whoa, you know, this is way too many puzzle pieces for coincidences to actually be the reasoning behind this, you know, it's just very fun, very fun to look at.
2: Yeah, I mean, in a way it was like, I mean, I did want another kid, that I had given up. But I think maybe once she got pregnant, I was thinking, oh, you know, I could turn my attention to the grandchild coming along. And I forgot about my, you know, plan. And so that, you know, sometimes like when people adopt a baby, and then they get pregnant, mm-hmm. so that it could have been like, my thing of okay, so now this is gonna happen. Yeah. but I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting.
1: That's a cool way to think of it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I'm starting to notice that the times when I can like watch my design working in real time, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the moments when, like, <laughs> the moments when, like, I've got undefined mind and head centers. And this happened the other day, mother. We were at a, um, we were at a situation where you were asking questions of somebody. And every time you asked a question, I had thought of the question before you asked it. And I realized that I was just absorbing the questions that were coming up in your mind. And I was like, okay, so what was I doing when I like cognitively realized that that was happening? And a lot of it was just kind of being I've been noticing the more I just like step back and be and don't try and don't, you know, worry about things, the more I can actually feel what's coming in. So I feel like that is exactly that energy of as soon as you stop trying, it happens. And like, Mm -hmm. I think this, it gave you that energy, that
3: ability to step into design. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I guess. So so what does it mean? Like if one of us gets pregnant, the channel gets opened or Something like that? Sure. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I, who knows? This is, all,
0: this is all coming from a absolute... I, yes. Yes. I'm going to say yes. In, okay. <laughs> in my mind, that's what happens. I love that. And you have two logic channels, so that makes sense. You bring the logic. Okay. Thank
3: you. You get the lines and they all come. There,
0: right? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but the other thing that I wanted to mention, as far as uh, the energy that you guys create, is that you create that that channel, the channel of reproduction. You also create the channel of community. And Jen, the, you bring the gate of aloneness, and Mama, you bring the gate of friendship. Oh. And the gate of aloneness meets the gate of friendship to create community because in a healthy community situation, we have equal parts of togetherness and aloneness so that each individual can care for themselves as individuals and can come together and care for the friendships and the community together. So you guys creating that, that brings me right back to mama wanting to be your friend When you were children when you were a child Mm -hmm. and then you wanting to be alone you wanting to be independent and needing that space from the family for all of that time and i i feel like the other thing that probably happened in that moment when you guys came together on this pregnancy concept was that now here is community Mm -hmm. like here are the this is where that balance lies You know, this is where we find that balance. We are creating family, we're creating community, but we're still allowing space for the individual to thrive. So Mm -hmm. that's the other the other uh, channel that you guys create that is a tribal channel. So that was another part of this is that those are both tribal channels and neither of you create any tribal energy by yourselves. So when you're together, you have more of that community family energy. And it sounds like you definitely felt that. Is that Mm -hmm. something you feel like you felt throughout life? Or is that something that you feel like you started to feel more as you got older?
3: Uh, I I felt... I never really thought about it, but like I said, I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to go see my family until I got there and then I was fine and I wanted to be there. It was getting me there and there wasn't anywhere else that I was that made me feel like that. So, um, so yeah, that sounds like that fits that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mama, do you have anything to say in response?
2: um i didn't used to feel like that like it's now i do i i feel like i have a community and i helped create it and it's my life you know but when i was younger i didn't i i really didn't relate to the whole concept of family and community because my mm-hmm. parents were kind of loners so they yeah, they didn't want that. Like we didn't have big parties or go to parties or plan big activities, nothing like that. So that was something I always wanted, but I feel like it took me like 50 years to get to where yeah. I created that. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's your six line. That makes sense. (laughs) Wow. That's so Mm -hmm. cool. Um, Because then the other thing that I'm think that's like coming to me in here is that my dad has that whole channel. So this channel that we're talking about right now, that channel Mm -hmm. of community, you guys create it. Mm -hmm. But my father, who, you know, is now the patriarch of our family has that whole channel? So I feel like there is this theme of community that you guys are now—you know—you've created this family. And I know Jen, mm-hmm. your family has recently grown even more with the addition of uh, of your husband's two children. So I feel like you've been building even more of a community for yourself. Well, that's—I mean, it's,
3: that's been a while, but yeah, I always tell <laughs> you I have five kids, and they freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yes for thanksgiving yeah we had all of them and there's significant others and um so yeah it's growing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. wow. wow and i wonder if my husband has what my mother had in the community or the friendship or whatever that is to complete mm-hmm. the community here yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'd be super curious. That's something we've we've talked about and I because your husband is also a manifester. Oh right? yeah. Yes,
3: we oh. both we both are very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so that could
0: be a fun a fun future podcast. Yeah. yeah. Get the manifester couple. On. And get us into a fight on the
3: Oh, try to avoid the anger. Uh, yeah, we will
1: we'll not uh, intentionally prompt that, but no. <laughs>
3: it doesn't happen. <laughs>
1: um another thing that you two create that uh, i think kayla mentioned earlier was um you are both non-sacral beings so neither of you have a defined sacral center but together you do create a sacral center which is a lot of energy as the only person on the podcast right now with the sacral center. It's a lot. I have a lot of energy as a person to get things <laughs> done. Um, do you find that when you guys come together, you have more energy to do things, to show up for each other, to you know activate all of these other things that you have in common um, versus when you are apart um, and you don't
2: have that defined sacral center together? Yeah, I think so, because just like Jen was saying, if she's not around us, you know, she doesn't feel that. But as soon as she comes to visit, then it's there. Yeah. Mm. The connection doesn't work <laughs> unless you're around the person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Kayla, can you give us a little more insight on what creating a defined sacral center might look like?
0: Yeah. Um, the main example that I have of creating a defined sacral center is, uh, myself and Marley, our middle sister. Um, she and I created defined sacral center. And when we are together, we can just talk and talk and talk and go and go and go. And then as soon as we leave each other, it's kind of like, Oh my God, how on earth did I do that? How was I there for such a long time? And so (laughs) And of course, this is two projectors. So a manifestor is going to be a little bit different. Your energy moves in a different way. So you will probably get big spurts of energy and then uh, have less energy. And mother, I know you have three. She has three motor centers outside of the sacral center. So your energy comes in different kinds of waves. But the way that that sacral energy works is this: it's like sustainable energy that comes from doing something that really lights you up. So there's also this level of kind of connection to universal intelligence and being able to make decisions in a more like decisive way in a more immediate way when you are connecting with someone who you create that defined sacral with. And that's something that I also feel with Marley is that when we're apart, like I flip flop on things a lot. Um, Marley is a mental projector, she needs a very long time to make decisions. But when we talk things through, we can come to decisions much more quickly. Um, So those are the are two of the big things that you guys might feel when you connect having that defined sacral center? Do you feel like there are things that when you do them together or when you talk them through or whatever it is that you can really uh, connect on more when you're together than when you're talking to other people or when you're on your own?
3: I She would be the person I would go to like bounce things off of for me and um, just see like what her opinion is on it. And um Mm -hmm. I don't always listen to anybody, um, but <laughs> I like to I like to talk things out, and that's she's who I would talk things out to. Um, yeah, and so then I feel more balanced in making my decision after talking to her about it.
1: Mm.
3: So, yeah, the one that you said before that I don't know if I feel that. <laughs> No, I can't remember. Oh, the energy? Yes. The energy? More energy when we're together because I feel like Mm -hmm. we have differing amounts of energy. Like like she'll go and go and go all day long and she won't eat. (laughs) And I need to stop and eat and go at my own pace. And (laughs) Um, I need to make sure yeah. I eat. And then she doesn't care. She just keeps going. And then all of a sudden, she just goes to sleep. Yep. <laughs> She's done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop in the middle of Disney World and go to sleep on the park bench. <laughs> yeah, <but> she, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Like, I'm done. Oh my God. <laughs> and that's and that's with her <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny i think that
0: sometimes the energy when you create that sacral energy it's also something that will run out <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: especially if you don't actually create it um because that is something that will happen with marley and i too where we'll just hit a point and it's just like nope no more Cannot, um, where our mother has two extra motor centers. She has two other motor centers that you don't have. So, Jen, you have one Mm -hmm. of the motor centers. You have the root center. And, Mama, you also have that center. So, the root center functions as a pulse. That's urgency. That's that feeling of like, get up and go do the thing. But there are two other kinds of motor centers that our mother has. You have uh, Mama you have the will center and an emotional center defined. So you get energy from, you have a, uh, an individual emotional wave. So when you get excited about something, you get energy to go do that thing that you're excited about. And then because you have that defined uh, will center, if there is something that is important to you, and if there's something that you feel like you need to have the energy to do, you can get yourself to do it. And with the combination of that urgency, this is the thing I want to do, get using that emotion, I'm excited to do this thing, and having the ability to have the energy to actually complete that task, you bring a lot more energy to the table than most projectors have available. Um, And then the fact that you fall asleep when you are done is, (laughs) I am constantly jealous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because most non-sacral beings struggle with not being able to fall asleep as soon as you're tired is that something that you struggle with jen with like having trouble decompressing
3: yeah. oh yes i mean, especially the last yeah i'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then i'll have 50 things going through my head and i'm like yeah i need to get up and do these now <laughs> no i really don't but <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah or i can't fall asleep because of that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'll I'll go and go and go until i pass out fall asleep but then i'll wake up and be like yeah and then you can't can't yeah
2: (laughs) yeah so Mm. yeah no i can shut my mind (laughs) off i'm just like okay i'm i'm tired i need to go to sleep and i stop thinking i
3: I wish i could (laughs) wow wow
2: uh, (laughs) oh
3: yeah Yeah. that is that is a superpower
2: mother (laughs) yeah it is it's really good for your health (laughs) oh yeah it really is yeah yeah absolutely Uh Uh i think that my father was able to do that he never like talked about it as a thing he could do but he would do the same thing that I do, just say, okay, it's time to go to sleep and sleep eight hours and then get up. And, and he lived till 95.
3: There you he go. He never had a
2: mosquito bite in his life. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Didn't he also never I get a cold? <laughs> yeah, no, he was never sick. What? And-
3: yeah, how good <laughs> jeans, man! I love those jeans.
2: Sleep, sleep, <laughs> and good yeah. jeans. Jeans,
1: oh. yeah, and good <laughs>
2: jeans.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. so what is what is your relationship like now that you've gone through all of this together? Um, you know, Kayla mentioned that you have a much better relationship now. Um, talk about that. How how has this come about? Uh, you guys being a little closer now that you've gone through life a little bit more?
3: I don't know. I feel like we've both, like you said, come up through three phases of life together somewhat. Um, But I didn't realize any of that till now because I don't I didn't feel like I could look back at I mean, anything until until now and actually like step out of it and see what I'm doing and just be at that point where you can tell like you, you know, trial and error the first and then you're just living your life and doing and then and then now I feel like I need to give back and um and I feel like we're both in the same cycle of that Mm -hmm. like I feel like she um is constantly giving back (laughs) and is doing like just just Uh for everybody and I mean but that makes her happy and I am yeah and i i mean yeah and i didn't know that i i mean for a while i wondered why you did all that and now i realize it makes you happy (laughs) so yay for you (laughs) and um for me like doing things like i i don't like receiving gifts i want to experience life and and that's what i'm doing and i and and i'm trying to i like i'm very interested in human design because i want to know what kayla's doing I'm trying to get interested in Marley's wedding. I and I'm yeah. I was always interested in Sabrina, so I'm trying to reach out and give back the <laughs> community. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Aww, <laughs> well, I, love, I that. love that. That's so cool. <laughs> the lovely, lovely realization. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I know. I really like seeing that in you because it was something you never expressed an interest in. The first third. <laughs> no, I, and you're yeah. right, and that's and yeah. and
3: and it's weird to come to that uh, realization. I don't regret anything I did to get where I am because I am where I am, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but, but yeah, I, I and I and I see that in my kids, the learning, like how the different ways that they learn. Mm-hmm. Some of them need to mm-hmm. trial and error, and mm-hmm. some of them need to be told and and figure it out themselves or you know and i was a figure it out themselves person (laughs) and that drove you crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you're like i did this before Mm -hmm. don't make my mistakes and i try that with (laughs) and you know some people listen some people don't
2: (laughs) yeah but it's interesting too because um you can see in uh, alexian austin how they enjoy the community and the Mm -hmm. family and that's something that you're bringing to them now and you know they really like that and so i think the fact that they really like it makes (laughs) you like it more you know and work more towards i like i like seeing
3: them happy and you know they they do like that they and that's why I feel like we create that here because they really enjoy Mm
2: -hmm. all that,
3: the community and everything. But yeah, they talk about grandma's house Mm -hmm. all the time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that I like spoil them with gifts or candy or anything. They just like doing stuff with us. Oh yeah. 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 No,
3: things that they remember are smells. I love that and stuff like that. It's so Mm. it's very, yeah, yeah, it's very much family oriented. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that that's so real, though. The smells (laughs) of
0: our house. Yeah, this smells like grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Our mother is a wonderful cook. She I call her a chef. She is absolutely a chef, and we all grew up eating most, the most wonderful foods. So coming mm-hmm. home, the smells are very big. That's a very huge part of what going home and being part of community is for me, and I'm sure for your children as well.
1: I can concur. Laura is an amazing thank, chef. Thank you.
3: <laughs>
1: I, have, I have been there. I've eaten the food. It's,
2: it's delicious. <laughs> it's funny because growing up, I remember... Uh, well, I lived in a 20 story apartment building, and each floor smelled different. And I remember I'd go and visit my friends, and it would smell like Chicken soup, or you know, like it, it's mm-hmm. like oh, that's yeah. so great. Like you walk through the halls and you get wafts of different smells. Yeah, yeah,
3: I do remember that in New York. I don't know why only in New York. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's so mm-hmm. funny! Wow. There was a floor on my old building that smelled like cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Wasn't nice. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) That's less nice. (laughs) That's less nice. But yes, that is, uh, yeah, that's a New York City building. Mm -hmm. Every floor smells different. Every floor smells different. Every floor smells different. That could be no, like every
2: family smells <laughs> like different. only murders in this building, <laughs> only these smells in this building. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <whole> new series.
1: <laughs> I guess my last question for you guys is what uh, advice would you give to any mother daughter relationship um, and growing together and learning together? and any expectations that you should have or not have um,
2: as you go through life together. I think mainly to accept that your daughter is a person in within themselves and that they're not going to do everything you say or do or wish they would do. That, But they are going to turn out great because they're your kids. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah
3: yeah i'm noticing that too like <laughs> they're all different like mm-hmm. all of my kids are different and you and you can't treat them all the same you got to treat them the way that they need to be treated mm-hmm. and let them be who they're going to be because they're all going to be what they want to be not what you want them to be so <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. and if they try to be what you want they're not going to be happy no. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you
1: both so much for being on the podcast today. It was lovely talking to you and and getting to know your experiences together. I think it's absolutely crazy that you guys got to share such a an incredible time, an incredible moment in life together. Um and yeah, I'm I'm really grateful that we got to have you back to to talk about that. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. It's nice
3: to <laughs> I love learning more about like I mean stuff that I already know, but then you're confirming that, that yeah, that is something. <laughs> yes, right. I know.
2: Right, and, and <laughs> how how it relates to other people too
0: yeah that's
2: my my other people thing Yep. yeah <laughs> I'm always thinking about the other yeah. people <laughs> yeah you're
0: a 6-3 projector you've got that interpersonal profile you're uh, always thinking yeah. about everybody else <laughs> but yeah no I that's that's one of my favorite things about all of this is really getting to take real life and <laughs> apply it to human design mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I love it when things line up when we we talk it through and it's like oh my god (laughs) what look at that right (laughs) yeah so thank you guys so much for being present
2: thank you thank you good to see everybody if you
1: like what you heard on this podcast follow us on instagram at human design in real time to keep up with our next episodes and if you want to learn more about your own human design
0: i'd love to help you on your journey You can head to my website, kayla care.com, to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's kayla
1: ecom We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's
1: guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human Human design design in real time. time.